0: eating into the microphone, but I'm looking at it, and I can't really tell that that is what I was doing. It doesn't look like any of the sound picked up whatsoever. But, all that to say, we have a very special Me and My Friends podcast episode tonight. My friend Hallie is here. She is the first lady ever on the Me and My Friends podcast. (laughs) Woo! And she is probably the first, um lady to be in my apartment this year Um, but it's only a month and a half into the year so it's early that's not so bad Um, because I'm trying to have more gender balance in um, my apartment but also on the podcast no it's actually just a complete random coincidence that she's here because uh, I've been following her she's an improv comedian an actress if you will And every time I go see her, I keep thinking, wow, she's really good, and uh, she'd be great for the podcast. But then when you sent me a link the other day to um, share more about what you've been doing, I realized that you do a lot of cool stuff. You are um, in a comedy duo called Secret Cervix. Secret Cervix. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And you also have an Etsy page. Yes. You are also a movie reviewer on a movie reviewing podcast Yes With other local Portland celebs Yes So you do all kinds of cool stuff And so I knew I just needed to have you here So welcome
1: Thank you so much I'm so honored to be here
0: Yeah, and uh, we're coming right off a performance. Uh, I went to go see you at a theater. Yes. I am scrubbing my brain for the name of it.
1: It is Curious Comedy Theater. That's
0: the one, and it's number three on Google if you Google things to do on a Friday night in Portland, as I recently did.
1: Yeah, which is so awesome because the theater has been working really hard to, um, you know, get improv and, you know, the theater itself out into the mainstream. A lot of people still really confuse stand-up and improv. Um, We have this kind of like ongoing joke at the beginning of our main stage show that's like, how many people here for the first time? Yay! How many people thought they were going to Helium tonight? Yay! (laughs) Um... So it's, it's, it's really great that it is coming up as a you know third result.
0: <laughs> and it's a really nice theater. It's very clean and fresh and modern. And there's I, what I thought was really interesting was the AV component.
1: Yes. Uh, we recently got a grant, I believe, last year um, through <clears throat> uh, dealing with the All Jane Comedy Festival and uh, recording female comedians doing their sets, uh, I'm probably butchering that and our artistic director would probably be mad if she heard me. But, you know, long story short is that we have this ability now to live stream our comedy shows through Facebook and other platforms. Uh, we just recently had one through uh, Mozilla, which was great. So it's it's been awesome, you know, showing the, the greater world that You know comedy is alive and well in Portland, Oregon. It's not just stand-up. It's this whole other thing you know improv just doesn't exist in Chicago and LA and New York. It's Got thriving scenes in other cities. So
0: Yeah, and one thing I noticed is that you're really good at it. So how did you get started? How long have you been doing this? It's really it's really interesting that uh you know I first met you uh when you were a Starbucks barista, yes. Starbucks plural, <laughs> yep. barista. Uh 15 years ish ago almost?
1: Yeah, like yeah, like yeah, 13 13 ish, yeah, I want to say around there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, so how did you go from barista to Broadway, as they say?
1: <laughs> well, it's been a long long difficult journey. <laughs> um I was finishing up my degree. I mean, I'd always done theater my entire life. I did children's theater in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I'm from, and um, continued the theater trek throughout high school. I was in thespians. I wrote. I directed. I stage managed. I did props. I did everything that I could. And then, um, I mean, wanted to do it in college, but you know, alas, things got derailed as they often do in our young adult making decisions. Um. And in college, I found it again. I just was like, you know what? I really liked doing improv. I'm going to take these classes, fell in love with it again, did a um, corporate headquarters was my group back in like 2009 as I was finishing at Portland State University. We performed for like a year and then um, had to put that on hold to, you know, pursue my career and then just recently got back to it, I want to say around 2000, end of 2015 and Just been taking classes and getting involved with as many theaters and, you know, now I've found two solid groups. One being the main stage team at Curious Comedy and the other one being my duo, Secret
0: Cervix. And so do you have any goals in mind when you think about your comedy career or is it just a fun hobby that takes the edge off or something?
1: I mean, unfortunately right now it's just a fun hobby that takes the edge off. I would love to to do creative stuff full time, but I think most artists will identify when I say it does not, you know, pay the bills. So I have to, you know, maintain my day job, which is unfortunately a pretty big brain drain. So <clears throat> it can be a it can be a lot to to work a day job and do, you know, improv on the side. I wish I could do more of it, but unfortunately it's right now it's about finding that balance between what can I Actually do and then still have that time to let my brain rest because I need I'm coming to realize I really need that, too I need that Netflix binge day or whatever yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's a that brings up a really good point. How does somebody Involved in comedy even make money from it like an acoustic musician, you know playing guitar In the very very least they could go down on the street corner and play guitar but if you stood on the street corner telling jokes uh, people just think you're a crazy person.
1: Yeah, there is pretty much no no money uh, in comedy if you are just starting out. Um, I I can't really speak to the stand up side of it because I haven't been involved in that. So they might make you know small booking fees off of what they do, but uh, improv is no it is is not a paid gig. I think we're trying to maybe move to that as we move forward in our you know technology and, and streaming advances and, and but as for right now we all just do it for the the love of the craft and performing um, because there is such joy that we all get out of it and gratitude especially when you have a big audience laughing at something that you've created with another person it's an amazing feeling
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And so would you consider the scene in Portland to be vibrant when compared to other cities or how does it compare?
1: I would say that as far as I can tell based on what I know about Portland and what I've kind of seen when I've visited other larger cities, I would say Portland's scene is probably the best right now. We have when a couple years ago, not even a couple years ago, um, there was probably only three major theaters in town, and now there's probably like six. So there is improv every single night of the week in this town, and it is good quality improv. There are so many amazing, talented people. When I went to um, Nashville in 2016, I really was struggling to find an improv show. I just found that there was one group that did one thing, and it was kind of outside of Nashville proper. It was in like a suburb. And I was like, this is a big creative city. Uh, but um, apparently their focus is just elsewhere. It's it's music, it's country music, it's, it's sports. It's not that. And I feel because maybe Portland doesn't have, I mean, we have the, the trailblazers. We have certain things, but I think our focus here is really more on the arts as opposed to other larger cities. So it's the perfect place for it to really thrive
0: and succeed. We were speaking recently about the gender balance in improv comedy, <laughs> or perhaps maybe the lack thereof, but uh, I would like you to talk about that a little bit, like what do you see, what do you notice, uh, what lengths people go to to become more inclusive maybe, or maybe not, I don't know, but um, I think being uh, the first female guest on the show, you it'd be cool if you would talk to that, and then maybe if you talk about the gender imbalance on this podcast?
1: Yeah, there are so many independent groups out right now, and a lot of those groups are all male, uh, and some of them are both male and female, and then there's some that are all female. But there tends to be this... Long standing debate, which has been going on for a long time, not just in the improv community, but like I feel like the comedy community in general is that, you know, women aren't funny. And while that has, that ideal has really phased out, I feel like the anger, the residual anger from that is still kind of like there. So when we have a show where through no fault of the booker, you know, they're doing like a first come, first serve or whatever, all the groups end up being male. You know, I feel like the theater leaders in this town are very cognizant of being like, okay, this isn't okay. We have all male performers. We have three groups growing up tonight. They're all male. This, you know, that's that's not great. Um, So I really feel that the theater leaders in this town, I mean, quite a few of the theater runners are female, which is great. Um, And I think that they do great... uh, Leaps and bounds to make sure that females are included and represented equally, but you know sometimes those ideals can slip through the cracks, and up- uproar will happen. Um, there's a Facebook page, and there's many many debates uh, about how, why do you, why are you in an all male group, and why haven't you included females? And they're always very heated, and I I don't know I I, I check in on them. I don't want to respond, but I think it's interesting how people will justify how how they've come to be and why they think it's okay. So, I don't
0: know. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that there there there's just a conversation about that and yeah, I don't know if it's a reflection of just the city that we live in and the types of people here that 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 move here to kind of strive for those ideals, but I think it's encouraging that it's a conversation you know I
1: think it's great that we're having the conversations I sometimes also feel like sometimes it's like beating a a dead horse like we all know that this is an issue and I think people are doing the best that they can Um, so
0: yeah it's annoying that we you know as as a as people, as Americans, as folks that are sort of being awakened to the way that reality is, we just kind of run in headfirst to these scenarios in which we realize there isn't balance or equality, or you know, even even like the the gender pay gap. Uh, it's a little infuriating that like we're that it's still a thing, and you know, we don't know how to fix that or solve it really i mean i mean on simple terms oh yeah just make sure everyone's paid the same amount make some sort of law that exists that that makes that so but you know we just run into that sort of thing in every area of our lives all the time unknowingly um and it sounds like comedy is one of those areas as well.
1: Oh yeah, it is definitely not immune to the same plight that we face in in our jobs. It's it's everywhere all the time, and it's probably going to continue to be. You know.
0: <laughs> I know it's so weird once you you know once you get that little bit of awakening to to seeing you know that sort of inequality in action and then you sort of start seeing it in a couple more places and then more and more and yeah what a strange world we live in
1: it can just Um, get yeah it can get overwhelming and i i don't know i find myself often being like what you know there's i'm facing so many battles honestly every day as a woman i just really have to be cognizant of like what i pick and choose to put my energy into and my fight into because so much of my energy and fight is going into my just general self-preservation and happiness like I can't can't as much as I love to do you know 20 different things at any given time and I'm not even talking about like tangible things I'm talking about like intangible things like giving my thoughts to this 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 and that it's 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 too much and that's why we need other people to kind of like pick up the slack and be cognizant of of what we're doing.
0: <laughs> yeah, and there's so many things that might occur that are just kind of robotic in in nature and you don't even think about them, like maybe inviting the other guys from the office to go get a drink afterwards and maybe you talk about work-related stuff there and maybe people get some sort of advantage from that. And that's like not necessarily intentional, but it's if you're not cognizant of it, it happens and it exists and it occurs and that's the sort of thing that, you know, multiply that in all areas of your life um, for, but yeah, it's kind of a bummer.
1: Yeah, it can be, it can be. That's why I, like I said, I really have to just, what, yeah. What do I care? What do I care about in the long term? Not just what do I care about today? What, what issue do I really want to focus my energy on and, and, and stick with that? Because otherwise, it's just going to be too much.
0: So let's talk for a moment about secret cervix. Yes. What kind of um, mysteries or crimes are you two solving? Uh,
1: well, we are protecting and, protecting. Sec- protecting and securing the comedy perimeter from all uh, non-funny outsiders. Oh, really? <laughs> so you
0: guys go to comedy shows and then call? Sh- bad comics out no 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 oh. we just
1: our our stick is uh you know because it is a stick we're like uh we're secret agents and we just have a lot of fun it's my uh very good friend Adrian Warner we're both from Albuquerque New Mexico she, or no I'm from Albuquerque she's from Santa Fe we're both from New Mexico and we found each other in the community scene and just really admired each other's work and decided to start playing together and now we've been doing it for over a year, and yeah, one of Portland's only regularly performing all-female duos. Uh,
0: that's pretty cool. How much do you guys charge?
1: Uh, how much do we charge? Yeah,
0: yeah, we're <laughs> talking about uh, how shows? do we get comics paid. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you know, it's we don't charge anything. We we do our shows for free, and then you have to pay a fee to get into them. I see. So we, we try and do at least... Uh, our goal is always two shows a month. Sometimes uh, next next month in March we're doing three shows. So so
0: if people wanted to hire you for a party, you don't have like a fee. Like
1: oh yeah, I mean if people wanted to hire us for a party, we could we could negotiate. Like <laughs> yeah. uh, of course uh, that would be awesome. I think more people should consider hiring improvisers for their entertainment at a private party because that would
0: be cool just like totally interrupt a party and yeah, uh, yeah.
1: like what i mean what do people even have now they have bands obviously
0: nobody uh, even likes that
1: nobody even likes a band
0: i don't think so everyone's kind of disappointed or annoyed when a band is performing at a party i feel
1: i think it's because it can get really loud yes. and at a party people want to chat still so you know at an improv show at a party i mean you should still be respectful of the performers and maybe like not talk during the actual performance but there's at least like lag time in between where i don't know i don't know how it would go improv is for hire i don't know how much that's been explored that'd be interesting to see how that works in the real world
0: Hmm. maybe we can copyright that idea
1: (laughs) improv in the real world here's the 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 true story yeah
0: um okay so (laughs) Give me a, a better idea of what secret cervix is, though. like you 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 kind of describe improv comedy duo all female. but like an example like what how does
1: so we do we do long form improv. So what a lot of people are probably used to seeing is short form improv on shows like Whose Line is it Anyway? where you do kind of these gimmicky games like, you know we're gonna be newscasters and we have quirks uh so we actually do uh scenes that are we'll do multiple scenes within like a 20 to 30 minute set which are different but might be uh, connected there's lots of different long form formats but um the one in particular that we've been experimenting with lately is um location based so we'll get a location from the audience uh, like a mall or an airport, but not those things, because those can be very transactional. Um, <clears throat> and just, you know, do scenes within that world. So if it's a circus, you know, it could be a two trapeze artists fighting about their next trick, or it could be a lion tamer and a lion, like, you know, just scenes within that world. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, your last show, you did something similar, where you created an entire world and had... You're basically directing actors and actresses to exist in that world, and I thought that was really creative and funny. And it was kind of amazing that you guys just all invented a story right there on the on the spot, and that it could actually be entertaining and fun for the audience.
1: Yeah, that's um, that's the second half of Showdown. Showdown being uh, Curious Comedy's uh, main main show which is fridays and saturdays at seven thirty. the first half is short form um like who's line uh, which is really fun and then on the second half we do that more long form stuff and, it, and it's called director's cut uh so yeah each of us are the three winners of the first half are given genres and we just you know make up little mini movies and it's it's a blast honestly <laughs> i'm glad you enjoyed it
0: <laughs> yeah and uh uh, let me put you on the spot for a second. Okay. Uh, can you tell me and the audience a little bit about your personal goals as it relates to improv?
1: My personal goals, oh, man, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I would just like, I, I would like to continue doing showdowns, which are really fun Um I want my main stage team to continue to succeed as it's at its new format. And then I want secret cervix to, um, be able to do some festivals. We have a festival tape, which is essentially a performance that we've recorded that we submit to different improv festivals throughout the United States. So I want us to get into a festival. We've applied to a couple, some of them haven't worked out for us date wise because of our vacations this year, but, um, yeah, I I want to do I want to I guess my current goal is it'd be fun to do improv in another city and be more cultured as far as the improv scene in other cities in the United States. Mm-hmm. So,
0: do you think that your uh, type of comedy would uh, work across international boundaries? Like, do you think that uh, I don't know Europeans might find it amusing?
1: I mean maybe um, I'm sure in certain uh, countries, particularly maybe the UK, um, I know that there is an improv scene in the UK. Uh, one of my good friends, her husband, is or her soon- to be husband, her fiance, is an improviser in the UK and that's kind of how they met was, you know, doing international improv trips <laughs> or shows you know, doing residencies or coming and visiting. If you're you're well-known enough in another country and you go to another country to do improv, like, you can definitely perform in that theater for whatever time that you're there. Like, it's a very... It is an international community, I feel like, in a lot of ways. It Um, seems
0: like if you could go to Germany and get a room full of Germans laughing, like, that's how you know that you... (laughs) have made it.
1: They, they were very stern in Germany. There was a lot of serious people in <laughs> Yeah, Germany.
0: Yeah, they don't like it if you walk by them and look at them and smile. Really? Yeah, I've been told that they think that you're kind of crazy if you do that, which I accepted as a challenge. Um, but yeah, people were not very friendly. That is also a stereotype, though, because I also did walk into a German bar and... It was one of those things where, like, the music stopped and everyone looked at me. And then before I knew it, everyone was buying me shots. So, yeah. you know, there's that side of them, too.
1: Yeah. I was in I was at Germany during a weird time in the small towns. It was very off-season, so there was not a lot of people. When we went into restaurants, we were literally the only customers in there. So we got that, like, great attention. But, yeah, I saw some of that weirdness, I guess, in Cologne. Um, where I didn't know quite how to interact with the general public at large with my limited German, and there was a lot less English speakers than I expected in a large German city. so hmm.
0: uh, is there anything else that you'd like to share about your improv that I haven't properly probed?
1: Oh, maybe just two two little shows.
0: Oh, you got some <laughs> shows coming up. I
1: do. Uh, Secret Cervix has a very important show on March 8th that's a Thursday at 9.30 it's Thursday Night Throwdown so it's a kind of a competition show uh, and we need audience applause and support to win that and it is International Women's Day what? what? What better way to spend International Women's Day than supporting Portland's only regularly performing all-female duo? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Um, And then after that, on three consecutive Saturdays, I believe that is the 10th, the 17th, and the 24th, also at Curious Comedy Theater at 9.30, my sketch team is going to be performing Mad Dash, which is taught by Carla Kakowski of Orange Tuxedo, um, out of second city in chicago um uh, so mm,
0: yeah that sounds fancy yes wait isn't that where all the famous comedians come yes. out yes whoa what crazy <laughs>
1: plug 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 <laughs>
0: yeah uh, i'll need your help uh properly writing about that on facebook yeah.
1: yes yeah we're gonna have an event out soon so uh spread the word
0: mm-hmm Um, Well, that's cool. So you got your improv side. Yes. You also, I've heard rumors that you're also working on some stand-up material.
1: (laughs) Just revealed to you earlier tonight. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Eventually, I would like to try some stand-up. I'm definitely more interested in the storytelling aspect of it because I feel like I am perhaps more funny when I'm just naturally telling a story, but it's good to have some some jokes queued up, I guess.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you have any nougats? Uh,
1: yeah, I guess I have one. Okay. <clears throat> All right. So I have just turned 34 years old. That was actually six months ago, but that's okay. Um, and I'm finding that I... Feel like I'm trying to enter a midlife crisis stage, but it's it's too soon for that. So I'm calling what I'm entering second puberty. <laughs> and I'm calling it second puberty because I'm having all of these same problems that I used to have. Like, Uh-oh. yeah, like so when I like see a cute boy, like instead of like flipping my hair and smiling, I'm like sucking in my gut and like maybe <laughs> putting a beanie over my like gray hairs that are starting. Um, And I'm also having really strange uh, desires. Like I just want to sleep until noon and eat bagel bites just just like a like a pubescent boy. <laughs> De- anyway, delivery uh working on that, but you know, mostly just a lot of stuff self- self-deprecating things.
0: So, second puberty for you is experiencing a boy puberty? Yeah, it is. Oh yeah, it's god. not it's
1: not a female puberty. It's like boy puberty, yeah. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> yep.
0: Oh my god, I'm having flashbacks <laughs> as we speak. Hmm. Very nice. I think you should keep going. Do you have anything else?
1: Um,
0: Or am I just putting you too much on the spot?
1: Oh, I mean, maybe you're putting me on the spot. It's just probably like more self-deprecating crap.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's okay. We like to be self-deprecating around this house (laughs) and on this podcast. Good. (laughs) Yeah. Is it good? I don't know. Maybe it's good.
1: I think it's important to laugh at yourself um, and be okay with it. Yeah. I mean, otherwise you're just going to be a clenched butthole a hot mess yeah. the whole rest of the time. Is I don't there
0: know. is there a difference between laughing at yourself and just coming up with volumes of comedy material because of yourself? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh God! Like, ugh. yeah. At which point do you need to just um, go to therapy or something? I, I
1: mean, know. I do go to therapy. Yeah, you know? I do too. It's, <laughs> it's
0: pretty cool. I love it.
1: I wish I could go more. I uh, love my therapist. Uh, I've had her for years. And then my job changed uh, three years ago. And she didn't take my new insurance. So I don't get to see her as much as I'd like because oh. I have to play, pay like more, more oh, money now to see her. Right. Yeah, well, American health ain't right.
0: <laughs> Somebody once described uh, a therapist to me as a friend that you pay for, which I hadn't thought of before. Oh, yeah. But
1: Like a neutral friend though
0: In that context I was like God that's kind of what it Has become for me Mm. Cause originally it was like solving Some problems And um, Now it's like oh yeah I missed that friend I should fork out (laughs) My copay
1: Yeah, I wonder if that's what it was, too, because I did try to see another therapist in between when I was like, well, I should just try and use my new insurance to find somebody new. And I saw this person. I was like, it's not the same. I know. I missed insert name here. And it's it's still worth it to see her like, you know, once or twice a month as I can.
0: Yeah, I really lucked out with my person because... I always look forward to seeing them and they always kind of tweak my thinking just enough to yeah, yeah. Like, get me right on the uh, back on the right track. But I hear other people that talk about having tried therapy a couple times and they'll say like, oh, I went with my ex-wife and all they did was gang up on me or something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah, it can be. That's the thing. It is. is it. It's like dating in a way. You're just trying to find that right fit of a person because i was seeing someone before her who i thought was great until one day i was like holy shit you're like like i love my dad but i thought of him as like you're like my fucked up second dad who's like being really mean to me about weird things like what Hmm. So, And that's when I realized, like, I, A, should not have been seeing a male therapist to begin with because he didn't understand my, like, PMS lady problems. He pretended like he did, but it was all... He was, like, old. Oh, he was old. He was older. And I'm not, like, hating on... I'm, You know, I'm sure he had a wealth of experience, but that probably also worked against him in some ways in dealing with younger female patients, so...
0: I think if you take the general male personality and put that into a therapist that's like the wrong personality for a therapist because (laughs) how often do men listen to somebody's problems and then just offer all the ways to fix them (laughs) which i mean again it's a total stereotype but i do that all the time Mm. whenever i'm talking to anybody i'm like oh well you just need to do this or try this or have you thought of this
1: yeah, it was it was a lot of that. It was um, also a lot of pushing the mindfulness method on me, which you know, whatever. It was it was the breakthrough scientific or whatever, not scientific. It was the breakthrough therapeutic approach at that time. So I understand why he was using it. Uh, it's still getting very heavily uh, thrown about, but I told this therapist that I'm with my, my therapist now. I was like, I am not. About that. Like, I can't, I am not a still thinker. Like, don't try to make me a still thinker. You need to do other things for me. And she was like, okay, I will work with you on that. And she respected that.
0: What is the mindfulness <clears throat> technique? Is it just like stewing with your thoughts or is it the one where you kind of let them just roll off you? I think
1: or? it's that one where it lets it roll off you. And I'm not completely hating on mindfulness because I think there are really lot of great aspects to that approach because its main jam is like living in the moment yeah which i definitely know i need to do more of because i'm a very uh future i'm a future caster yeah uh, me too like big time like i just obsess about the things that i have to do the next day the next week or whatever yeah i have a really hard time just being like today is what i'm going to settle into so i definitely like that aspect of it but He was doing a lot of like Tibetan bowl shit And I was just like I'm not No thanks Like I can't even do yoga I can't sit still Like I couldn't even take naps When I was three I got kicked out of daycare Like As you can tell I'm talking a million miles an hour So like The methods are not for me
0: yeah i mean you don't want to pay good money to sit and listen to someone play around with a bowl and exactly like, here's a tone that will heal your soul
1: yeah that tone did not heal <laughs> my soul at all god
0: um yeah thoughts though man mindfulness i i find that some thoughts that i have are they i I kind of crave them. And if they come into my head, I'm like, yes, this thought is back, but it's always a very bad thought. So I get like this weird kind of painful pleasure from it. Mm. And, and so then I think, okay, I just need to like be with this thought and let it rush through me. But um, sometimes the thought sticks around for a while and then I feel bad for a long time after that. And then I start to wonder about this whole idea of mindfulness and you know stewing over something or maybe I'm just not doing it right I don't know
1: yeah I I would say that my uh, (sighs) what I know about mindfulness is not stewing over things it's it is it is more it is more of a like if you have a negative thought like or a a thought that you know is going to be invasive being okay with letting it like come into your head for a little bit like, letting it slosh around and being like, okay, I'm done with you now. And letting it go away. I mean, like, that was nice. See, so <laughs> the, the tactic
0: that I've kind of come up with for myself is the idea of having a bouncer in my head. And I, I picture this one bouncer that I know from Port Townsend, which is where I grew up. And when a bad thought comes in, I like to picture him pulling it out and saying, no, you can't be there
1: no that's that's no that's a really great idea because that is how my therapist also tells me to um regulate my negative thoughts she's like just you have to have these if you're a visual person which i am and she picked up on that she's like okay based off of this aspect of you this is a method i can recommend to help you feel better which is just essentially talking back to your own brain. Yeah. Like separating, like you and your brain are not one entity. Your brain is like a walking standing person and you are a different person. And you just like talk shit to your, your own brain being yeah. like, no, we're not going to do this today. Yeah. I'm we're over this. allowed to talk about this. I've got this, this, and this to deal with. And this thought is not welcome. So.
0: Isn't that weird though? that the, that's how our brains work. It, some people you meet and they don't have that they don't have like that internal brain that's like making everything more challenging but then there's certain people like myself that um, I I don't know why I have to wade through negative talk you know past my waist every time I'm trying to get anywhere
1: oh yeah I 100 I'm there with you this the entire bus ride this morning I think I was telling you earlier. I had just negative thoughts on repeat and they were not going away because I was just trapped in this like people tube of wet cigarette smell and snow everywhere. And I was like, how can I get out of this? And it's, and it is, it's really hard and difficult.
0: Yeah, well, that... (laughs)
1: god now that bummer's over with
0: yeah that's a funny track we just took um why don't we go back to talking about, so you're on a movie podcast
1: it's yeah I, I guess we need to call it more of a webcast
0: webcast what's the difference between a pod and a web
1: i don't know but i do know that we record it at uh all classical portland Fancy. um And that it's not on the air, but it is a program that is available to the people on the website, allclassical.com slash on the aisle.
0: Okay. Do you have any idea to track how many people listen to it? Like, do you get good responses? Do you get queries and that sort of thing? You
1: know, I'm kind of new to the webcast. I joined in September and I'm not really uh, the moderator. Um, I don't really deal. We, We do have a Facebook page. I think we're working on maybe getting Twitter. I think we are also I know we I know for a fact we are available on iTunes, so I don't really know uh, our subscriber amount slash population at the moment, but, you know, it's 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 a really great varied view. It's we have Ed Goldberg, who's uh, works at All Classical. He's a DJ there. He's from New York. He's got, um, you know, he's a writer as well. He's a published author. Uh, He does another segment on the air where he interviews authors as well. So he's got a great uh, breadth of knowledge about just narrative and writing and and movies. And then uh, we have DK Holm, who is a local film critic, and he writes, um, he used to write locally, I believe. And he also uh, writes for other papers um, in other uh, cities. We have Mona Bowen, who is an amazing Talented uh, woman as well. And then the producer, Jordan Lewis. So we all have very interesting takes on the films that we watch. And we watch not only, like, mainstream Megaplex movies or Multiplex Megaplex. <laughs> That's something I just made up <laughs> at the Multiplex. Um, but, you know, we we have, we review uh, festivals. The Portland International Film Festival has been this entire month. So we've been watching those. Um We'll check out new DVD releases. We'll check out stuff that is. And Doug will hate me if I say this has dropped on Netflix because he hates that phrase. <laughs> <laughs> like it he hates when we talk about movies like the rap albums. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, this new movie just dropped. Um,
0: old school. Yeah.
1: Old school. <laughs> so, yeah, it's. I I wish I it's every week it's it it drops every Friday (laughs) it drops every Friday on the all classical station uh website but you know I unfortunately because of my day job cannot do it every week Mm -hmm. so I'm on there like twice a month but Mm -hmm. you know I grew up loving movies I almost got my film studies minor one credit shy.
0: Mm, give it to her.
1: <laughs> Please, Portland State University. I don't want to give you any more money. Maybe you can give me some. You know, the
0: listeners of this podcast, <laughs> let's all start a letter writing campaign yes. to get Hallie that one credit that she so deserves. I mean, the podcast has got to be worth more than whatever you would have done in any class at college.
1: I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, it's webcast,
0: I mean. so uh, yeah,
1: webcast. I know it's so hard for me Ooh. to say that. Uh but yeah, it's it's amazing. I love the I love them all dearly. It's interesting to hear. They have such um, <clears throat> you know, not to play the H card, but you know, some of them are older. And they Oh have, I thought you said
0: H? No. The H, H, is H in card horror film. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they do know a lot about horror. But you know, Doug and Ed have have been watching and doing this much longer than I have. So, mm. I love, you know, hearing their take on, you know, actors that have recently deceased or they know so much more about movies than I do. So, I also love soaking up their knowledge. So, it's also a great place to learn about really old mm. <laughs> sorry, I'm <laughs> not that old, but to learn about you know, film history is what yeah. I'm getting at. Yeah, it's they they know so much about film history, and it's so important. And those nuggets are dropped throughout the webcast as well.
0: Do you have a favorite genre or type of movie that you like to watch personally?
1: Oh, I, gosh, I mean, I, I have three. Probably, I really love. I just love a good drama. I like a good uh, comedy, and I love a good horror. Mm. So I would say those three If I'm just going to pick like the basics
0: Yeah uh, Czech films Have you seen a lot of Czech films?
1: <gasps> uh, I haven't seen a lot of Czech films I, Oh actually I've seen one Czech film I can't remember the name of it right now Because it was a couple of months ago But it was about like there was like a communism undertone It was in the 80s It was about a teacher It was very interesting Was uh, it Kolya? What is it?
0: Kolya. about the old bachelor that like has to take in this orphan kid but he doesn't want to because he just wants to be a philanderer
1: no but oh my
0: god it sounds like i should see it you gotta see that yeah it won an oscar for best foreign film oh cool and i for years as a kid i would always see it at the movie theater and i wanted to watch it it's it's called kolya k-o-l-y-a oh so it's an older film yeah 89 i think that's why i thought you might be talking about the same one Um, but I had a friend named Koya, K-O-Y-A. So for some reason in my little 10-year-old brain, (laughs) that connected. And I was like, I got to see that film someday. Yeah. And then when I finally did, it was amazing.
1: Yeah, there, I think that we, um, I mean, I've never been one of those people that's like, oh, I got to read. I don't want to watch that. If you're one of those people, just... Look deep inside your heart and get over it. I mean, you you read the your Facebook every day. You read the internet every day. Just there's so many amazing films that you're missing out on, foreign language films. Um, yeah, I just recently watched a really good one that I talked about on the webcast called Western. It's a Bulgarian-German film. Mm. Um I also just watched Let
0: the Corpses Tan Ooh. from Belgium. Ooh, that sounds real good just in the title.
1: It was interesting, you know, from the it's part of Piff's After Dark, which is part of their like horror, but I would say that it wasn't so much horror as it was just more a violent mm. uh, artistic violent film, which mm-hmm. some people aren't into, but um, stylistically interesting. Um it had a lot of tones of West uh, spaghetti western, and I'm gonna butcher this composer's name right now, but I promise I know how to say it normally. Inicio
0: Hmm. I don't know, uh. it sounds right to me.
1: <laughs> He's famous for doing all of the scores for famous westerns like Once Upon a Time in the West, oh, and all that. Okay. Um, and he cool. does a lot of stuff for Qu- he did like Quentin Tarantino, uh, he did Inglorious Glorious Bastards, oh, okay. So yeah. it's a very specific type of music and tone. Um, but anyway. <laughs> yeah that's
0: cool uh i'm gonna have to check those out i also love foreign films i i have no problem reading subtitles oh good (laughs) um it's nice to meet someone else who does not have that problem Mm -hmm. um so we're getting to the end of our podcast here um i keep thinking like how can i uh get the most out of you and i was thinking maybe you can offer being a movie buff uh some top uh digital streaming recommendations as a departing gift
1: oh my god digital streaming recommendations um <laughs> hmm.
0: maybe i can buy you some time hey i think it's snowing right now Oh my god. <laughs> That's all I got. This is
1: the thing. This is one of those questions that I just like when somebody asks me like what my favorite movies are, I just like freeze up yeah. because I'm just like, oh my God, and I don't
0: know. It's going on the permanent record, so it has to be a good one. Um you can't Yeah, blow Oh
1: it. one that I watched. Oh, um this is not gonna be like one of my favorite of all times, but it's one that I watched recently that is streaming. Uh it is called Tom of Finland. You can watch it on Hulu, and it is about um, Tuku. I'm going to screw up his name. He's Finnish. Tuku. Tukulass- so he's
0: slightly Finn. No, <laughs> he's Finnish. No, he. he <laughs>
1: no, he's actually Finnish. He was the um, artist who drew all of the uh, super um, machismo, masculine illustrations. Um, if you saw it, you would recognize it. Okay. But it was a uh, it was Finland's like you know, film of last year hmm. that it was really riding on, and it and it is really beautiful in a lot of ways. It had it had some um, it had some problems, but overall, I, I really really enjoyed it. Um, so, and I think it's an interesting story about a little known illustration artist that was very important to the gay community.
0: Okay. Cool. Well, thank you very much for being on the podcast. You're very brave to come on here. Um, <laughs>
1: thank you for having me.
0: And I I mostly asked for those recommendations because I'm actually looking for things for myself. Um, so that was a very selfish ask. But uh, it was nice having you over at the apartment. And um, I just want to encourage everybody who's listening to this in Portland to check out Hallie as she performs around town. And I will post the dates and times of her upcoming shows on Facebook.
1: Thank you, Mike. That means a lot to me.
0: You're welcome. Thank you. Have a good night, even though you'll still be here when I turn this off. (laughs) It's true. I will. Okay.
1: Well, see ya. (laughs) Bye.